Well, through the month of July, I am taking a break from preaching. Um, some travel and some working on uh, the fall series that will be starting in August. Um, and so we've been inviting a variety of different voices uh, to come and share with us through the month of July. Last week, Stuart Love shared with us on the Lord's Prayer, and I just heard great things about uh, the time in the Word last week. Uh, this morning, we get to hear from Deesta Love, uh, Stuart's wife, and uh, Deesta has been uh, in ministry um, all of her life. Um, and they are a great example of ministry partners, uh, husband and wife, in ministry together uh, throughout their 58 years of marriage. Uh, Diesta was the first chaplain at Pepperdine University. She has an MDiv from there and also was an adjunct professor in New Testament and Christian ministry. And so it is a blessing for us to have a very gifted and qualified people uh, in our church family here to share with us. And I look forward to uh, these summer months and opportunities to, to hear a variety of voices. And so Desta is going to share with us uh, this morning from John chapter 15. Desta, thank you. Let's pray together as we uh, spend our time in the Word. And God, we thank you so much for uh, the blessings that you give us. Uh, God, I thank you for the gifts that you give us. And so this morning, I pray for Desta and uh, the Word that you have given her. Uh, that we will have ears to hear, that we will encounter you and hear you and see you in ways that we haven't seen before. And so bless our time in the Word this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is such a pleasure for me to be here today in this capacity. And I want to thank Jason for allowing space for me in his pulpit to let my voice be heard and that we might hear the word of God together. And I want to thank the elders and I want to thank all of you for your support and encouragement. It's such a blessing for me to be able to preach to my home church. I have preached for several churches of Christ across the country, but never have I preached for my home church. So it's a special blessing to look out and see familiar faces, people I know, and people I know who are praying for me. I have a stool up here. I've been struggling with some balance issues, and so we're going to try and see what, it, what happens if I sit a little while. Perhaps the, the, I will start by reading my passage from, by sitting down. Whoops, it's right here. <laughs> but as Jason said, we're going to turn to John 15. And I know Jason just finished a series in the Gospel of John, but you know, I've been preaching one too. Uh, it's been going on for about 11 years. I, st I preached my first sermon in the Gospel of John at Pepperdine at the baccalaureate service uh, for the uh, for. Uh, the graduating class there. And then, you know, sometimes I get a, an invitation in a given year, and then I might go a year without one. So it's taking me a long time to preach through this gospel, Jason. So we're going to squeeze one more sermon out of the gospel of John, if you don't mind. So John 15. Hear the word of the Lord. I am the true vine, 
My father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who abide in me, and I in them, bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is a passage that's familiar to all of us. I would even say it is a beloved passage. Many of us, in fact, have it engraved on plaques in our homes, at least I do. I have a framed uh, engraving that says, I am the vine, you are the branches. It's on my fireplace in my living room. But it is beloved and familiar to all of us. To the ladies that were in my ladies' Bible class, it bears the familiar pattern of an I am saying. In fact, we know, don't we, that it's the last and seventh I am saying in the Gospel of John, all of which are revelatory of, of Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. If I get, forget, you help me. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the door to the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now, I am the true vine. And with this metaphor that Jesus gives to the disciples, he is drawing upon one of the dominant themes in the Old Testament for the people of God, for Israel, the vineyard. And God was the keeper of the vineyard. And the fruit that they bore was their faithfulness to God. But now, 
Jesus changes that image. He says, I am the true vine. And so the image now for the people of God has changed. Jesus is the vine. And as the vine, he is the source of life to the disciples and to the people of God. And the source of life for the vine is the love of God. And the love of God is reproduced in the life of the disciples as the fruit that they bear. Now, love is a dominant theme throughout this passage. We heard it several times in this reading. As, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Familiar words and precious words to us who are followers of Jesus. But there is more to this metaphor than that. The, it draws its meaning and its power from the context in which it appears. This is in the 15th chapter of John. The final discourse of Jesus with his disciples in the Gospel of John is John 14, 15, and 16. And in these passages, Jesus is preparing to go to the Father. He is preparing to die. And so he will be leaving. So he is saying goodbye. He is loving them, assuring them of his love for them. He is saying goodbye, and he is teaching them in these last moments of time that he has with them. It is poignant, and it is personal, and it is intimate. And he has hard things that he has to say to them. Already in John 13, he has told them that one of them will betray him. That's a hard thing to say, a hard thing to hear. You know, it's hard to say goodbye. And he has said, Peter will deny him three times. A hard thing to say, and it's a hard thing to hear. So while Jesus speaks words of hope to them and words of courage and encouragement to them, he also has some hard things to say. He starts in the very 15th chapter by anticipating their fears. And he speaks to their hearts as he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then he says, If I go away, I will come again. And I will take you unto myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. I will not leave you orphans. I will send to you the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Isn't that an interesting choice? The Comforter who will be with you and who will guide you in all things. The Spirit of truth. My peace I leave with you, 
My peace I give you, not as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Now, the world will hate you. And know this, that if the world hated you, it hated me before it hated you. And if the world persecuted me, it will persecute you. And you will be cast out of the synagogues, and you will be killed thinking that you are do they are doing service to God. So do not be afraid. In the world, you have tribulation or persecution. But in me, you have peace. Take courage. I have overcome the world. Now, I just have to pause for a moment right here. Now, my ladies know what I'm going to say, and I'm sorry, it's Melissa here. I'm going to rag on her translation once more. <laughs> but, you know, in some of our translations, it says, after he's told them that they're going to be killed, after he's told them they're going to be persecuted, then some translations say, so, so take heart. Take heart, you know, that's like, buck up, you know. That just doesn't cut it with me. My translation says, so, no, oh, no, 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 I got it wrong. Some, some of our translations say, in the world you have trouble. Trouble? That just doesn't cut it with me. My translation says, in the world you have tribulation. In the world, you have persecution, but in me, you have peace. And then some of our translations say, so take heart. Be of good cheer. Hmm. My translation says, take courage. So the, Jesus is calling the disciples to courage. They face an uncertain future. He is going away. They do not know what is to come. He has already told them that they're going to face some terrible things in their lives. And so in the midst of all of that, right in the middle of this discourse, he gives them a metaphor. Something to which they can hold. He gives them a dwelling place. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me as I abide in you. If you abide in me, you will keep my commandments. And my, commandments are, it, my commandment is this, that you love one another as I have loved you. So in the midst of a hostile world that hates them and persecutes them, he gives them a place to stand, a place secure in the Father's love. And that place secure in the Father's love stands in direct contrast to the hatred that they will experience in the world. So in the world, you know tribulation, but in me, you have peace. 
Abide in my love. And as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So he gives them a place of peace, a place to dwell, a place that is filled with the Father's love. But more than that, he draws them into a fellowship, into a relationship. Throughout the Gospel of John, he has talked about his relationship with the Father. I have come from the Father. I do my Father's will. I say the words that the Father has given to me. So throughout the Gospel, we're very much aware of this intimate and personal relationship that he has to the Father. But now, he draws them into it. He draws them into the intimate fellowship and the presence of God. And he shares with them the love that he has with the Father. And the Father has with him now is shared with the disciples. It is a new and intimate and personal relationship with the disciples and their Lord. They have been drawn into a divine circle. And furthermore, they have been given the Holy Spirit to comfort them and to guide them and to lead them into all things. So it is an intimate and personal fellowship, divine, and it mirrors the love that God has for the Son and the Son has for the Father. And so the disciples can go into the world with courage. For the disciples, the world was not, was not Rome. The world was Jerusalem. That's where they are receiving their persecution. They're going to be cast out of synagogues. They're going to be killed. They're going to be persecuted. All of this by their fellow Jews. But for the early church, the, the, the world still is their fellow Jews who persecute them and kill them. But they also are receiving now political challenges from Rome that they are receiving persecution. And so they live in a troubled world, and yet they are sent into it. They live in the world, but they dwell in the vine. Does that make sense to you? You know, that seems real to me. It seems more real than a metaphor. That I have a dwelling place, a place to dwell secure in a troubled world. And we also live in a troubled and hostile world. All we have to do is watch the evening news. And it comes into our homes, images of violence, images of hatred, images of unrest, images of uncertainty. And we're learning all too well the language of hatred, the language of bigotry, the language of fear, all of the things that belong to the darkness, to the world that we live in. And it invades our lives through cable TV, through our, uh, what do we call it, our cell phones, our social media, yeah, through Facebook. You know, we just cannot escape it. We live in a troubled world. I had a whole list of things 
that trouble us. And I'm afraid if I give it to, I'm afraid I'll forget it, but secondly, I'm afraid it will depress you. <laughs> so let's just suffice it to say that every day carries the potential for mo more bad news. Would you agree? And so we live also, we, we live with uncertainty as well. I mean, you know, North Korea has just fired a, another missile. We don't know anymore who our enemies and who our allies are. And the lines between truth and falsehood are blurred. So our world is uncertain. When I was a little girl, Stuart tells little boy stories. I don't have any. <laughs> You know, I didn't grow up on the farm. I was a preacher's kid, so my life was not as fun and interesting as his. But when I was a little girl, we used to sing a song. This, my, my ladies would be disappointed if I didn't quote a song. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. While I like the sentiment of that song, that's a good old depression song. When people didn't have, have treasures anyway, you know, so their treasures were all laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I'm talking about here and now. Our dwelling place is not somewhere beyond the blue. Our dwelling place is here, in the vine, here among the people of God, a place of peace, a place where we know the love of God and the love of one another. We've often used the analogy of the vine and the branches as the church, and it certainly is that, but it's more than that. It's bigger than that. You know, it is the kingdom of God. No, this is the language of Matthew, not John. I have to sneak it in there. That Matthew would say, what we're talking about here is life in the kingdom. What we're talking about is the reality of kingdom life and kingdom living in our lives while we live in the world. We dwell in the kingdom of God. Now, Paul might use different language. Paul might say what we're talking about here, and Lee Smith, is new creation. This is the new creation of God, the new people of God, who live by the commandment to love one another. While we live in the world, we dwell in the vine. We dwell in the kingdom. We dwell among those of new creation. But for John... The language is a little different. It's eternal life. This is the life of God. It's what Jesus refers to in the Gospel of John as the abundant life. This is the abundant life. To live and to dwell among each other in the presence of God. To know his love. To know his peace. But now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we have a place to which we can withdraw. Our little, our secure place where we can just come together and sing hymns all day. 
a place where we can feel secure in the love of God and just revel in that peace and sing when we all get to heaven how what a blessing that will be something like that no not at all we dwell in the world but in the vine but we live in the world and just as God so loved the world so we so love the world so we care for the world and so Jesus sends us into the world one thing that this image of the vine does for me, it gives me perspective. You know, it tells me there is more to my life than the evening news. There is more to my life than presidential politics. There is more to my life than all of the trouble and tribulation of the world. It also tells me that there is a real difference between the profane world in which we live and the vine, the kingdom of God. There is a, a profound difference between the two, and it is not hard to choose. In our song that we sang, our that I quoted, our treasures are laid up somewhere belong above, beyond the blue, one of the things that I think about for us is that our treasures may be too invested in the world. You know, we worry in our uncertainties and our, our fears sometimes are connected to, you know, our 401ks. For Stuart and me, that's, our, that's what we live on right now, you know, our investments. And so we watch the stock market rise and we wonder when is it going to fall? And it could, it may. You know, there's uncertainty in all of this. But I think sometimes we get too invested in our world so that our dwelling place does, is not really our center, is not really our security. That our, my security does not come from where the stock market is. Our security does not come from who is president of the United States. Our security does not come from where where the trouble spots are in the world, or are not. But our security comes because we have a dwelling place, that we dwell in the vine. And Jesus sends us into the world and sends us in cur with courage. It takes courage to live for God in a hostile world. I do want to tell you one story. Stuart and I have a little grandson. Well, he's not so little anymore, but you know, I always call him my little grandson. His name is Joshua. And Josh has lived and worked among the homeless and the very poor of Abilene and Dallas, Texas for a number of years now. And he lives in neighborhoods that are dangerous. Right now, the, he sent a picture of the house he rented in Dallas with a picture of the neighborhood, and half the houses are boarded up. And I thought, okay, Josh found his neighborhood. You know, he lives, he intentionally lives in the poorest neighborhoods. And he's been warned by his neighbors that there are, it's dangerous, that there are crack houses, there are drug dealers, 
there are criminals, there are uh, any number of people that could bring harm to him and others. He also works and lives among the homeless. And he has had a heart for this for so many years. One, year, one time I said to him, Josh, how do you do this? How do you day after day go into areas that could be risky and dangerous? How do you do that every day? And he said, I have a gift. And my gift is that I am not afraid. And I think about that a lot. And I think Josh does his work not because he's afraid. If he were afraid, he could not do it. If he had prejudice or hatred or fear in his heart, he could not do his work. Right now, he's serving as a chaplain to the homeless in Dallas, working for an organization that is dedicated to alleviating poverty in the city of Dallas. He could not do this if he were afraid. And I tell you, I know his heart. I've known him, I've known him as a, a wonderful child of God for many years. Josh dwells in the vine. He goes from the vine, from a place of peace, not from a place of, of, of fear. Does this make sense to you? To do the work of God in the world. He has to go from a place of, of peace, not a place of fear. Now, Jesus has called us into the world. The Gospel of John, he says, that you will do the works that I did. And they will hate you for the works that you do, because they hated me. And so as we look at the Gospel of John, we get images of what Jesus is calling us to do. He has called us to be bred, to be like Jesus was in the world, to be bred to the hungry. He calls us to cross social boundaries and barriers, yea, even to go into Samaria and be bearers of living water, bearers of the life, the gift of God. He calls us to go to the side of the road for those who have been judged sinner, for those who sit in darkness and to be light into the darkness of this world. He calls us to be open doors to those who are, who are strangers, to those who are outcasts, to those who are not of our flock, to be open and welcome doors to them. He calls us to bring life into the world that is dying. He calls us to be the way to those who are lost. It is in the midst of a hostile world that we do the work of God, to be the love of God, to bring the love of God to a world that is dying. And let me tell you one more thing. This world, with all of its troubles, and with all of the anxiety that it provides for us, and with all of the things that we are so concerned about and so invested in, that world is passing away. That is old creation. But we are part of new creation. We are part of the life of God. He has invited us to participate into his, in his life, 
to be as he was in the world and to do so in courage with love for those who are around us. And so as we think about this passage today, I would say this, that we have drawn, been drawn along with the disciples into a divine fellowship. We have been called to love one another as God has loved us. We have called to dwell in the vine in a secure place. Another way to say this maybe is that it is a place that transcends all political and social boundaries, all cultural boundaries, that it is, but it is in the midst of a world that is dying. So in the midst of a hostile world, there grows a vine. And that vine and its branches spread around the world, bearing fruit. Oh, and I'm not sure I made this point well. The fruit we bear is the love of God. Jesus doesn't say, I am the true vine, so now keep the commandments. Keep the law. He says, keep my commandments. And my commandment is this, that you love one another as I have loved you. So the fruit that we bear is the fruit of love. Love for one another and love for the world and for the sake of the world. One more thing I, wanted to, I want to say. And so, as we abide in the vine, in this secure place, we, we love one another. We have a place to dwell, a place secure, in the fellowship of Jesus, who gives us his peace, our Father who gives us our love, his love, and the Holy Spirit who gives us courage and who gives us comfort and who guides us into all things. We're going to have a word of prayer. And um, when we do, we'll ask that you all stand and and feel free to pray for those who are with you and around you. Um, we're going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song that um, we used to sing years ago. The sentiment of the song is very much like this sermon today. It's not exactly the same, but it echoes that same sermon, that same sentiment that I can dwell in peace in the midst of a hostile world. And notice the pattern of the song. Every stanza, except the last, the last is an affirmation of faith. But every stanza has the same pattern. It begins with a question, and it ends with an answer. So the very first one is peace, perfect peace, in this dark world of sin. The answer is, the blood of Jesus whispers peace within. So let's stand and sing our song, and we'll have a word of prayer. Oh, let me lead you in a word of prayer first before we do that. Our Father, we are so grateful that you have loved us and that you have provided for us a place where we may, we may dwell in the midst of a troubled world. We are so grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit who ministers to us and who, who gives us strength and who gives us power and courage to go into the world. 
and we're so grateful for the peace that Jesus provides. So today I pray that we will own this reality to know for sure that our dwelling place is in the vine. Our dwelling place is with each other and that we can dwell secure in the midst of a hostile world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.